0: On today's Locked On Jayhawks, we preview Kansas taking on TCU and why this game could essentially wrap up the Jayhawks getting a share of the conference in in one way or another. Not quite a clinch, but we'll talk about why. You are Locked On Jayhawks, your daily podcast on the Kansas Jayhawks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Derek Johnson. You can hear me as well. Rock Chalk Sports Talk, 3 to 6 p.m. Monday through Friday on KLWN, your flagship station in Lawrence. Thanks for making Locked on Jayhawks your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get any of your podcasts. And on today's edition of the show, we're going to be breaking down the KUTCU game preview for the game in Fort Worth. Now, we'll start with the storylines. Then we'll move on to the scouting report, what happened in the first matchup when TCU housed Kansas in Allen Fieldhouse. And then we'll finish up with our matchups of the game. We'll start here with the storylines. KU trying to keep pace at the top of the league. They're tied with Texas coming in. And, you know, I, I think you could make a real argument that, Again, it's it's not quite the clinching word, which you still have stuff in front of you, which, by the way, Texas plays Iowa State at home this week, uh, so that'll be a tough one for them. But pick them to win. Iowa State's been better at home than on the road. Uh, you can say that if Kansas wins this game, this is essentially worth clinching in the Big 12. Now, again, you don't know what Texas is going to do, and it's not quite the actual clinch, so it doesn't matter that way. But if you view it this way, Kansas has two more home games left. They host West Virginia. They host Texas Tech. Both games, they're going to be expected to win. Both games, they're going to be favored somewhere in the 6-10 to 10 point range. So you look at those, and they're sitting at, at 10 wins right now. We've kind of said that eh, maybe 12 wins gets a share of it, but 13 for sure you would get at least a share of it. That might be enough to win it outright. So that means you have to win three or next four to get to th- the 13 number if you beat TCU, you should win those next two home games. Again, it's not a guarantee, but you should. If you beat TCU, even if you lost to Texas in that final game, you would assume Texas is going to lose one of these other games, and that would be enough to share the conference. So you win tonight in TCU, you'll feel very confident that you're going to get at least a share of the Big 12 title, if not the whole enchilada. Now, if you lose tonight, you can still win the Big 12. Everything's in front of you, but you just uh, make it. I don't know, make make the game in Austin possibly a must-win in that situation to win the Big 12, which I don't know that you totally want to do. Senior day in Austin, the regular season finale against a good Texas team, probably not ideal. So I would just say take care of it now as opposed to taking care of it in their final game of the season. Uh, The other top storyline here, TCU back healthy. Mike Miles came back last game, and they put up 100 on an Oklahoma State team that has one of the best defenses in the country, though Oklahoma State certainly last just hasn't looked like that with the Kansas TCU games, but I think that's probably more about the opponent and what they did in those specific games. But TCU's back healthy. Lampkin got hurt in the game against Kansas and Allen Fieldhouse. He's back to it. I mean, uh, TCU getting back healthy is a big deal because you look at the record and, you know, it's tied like fifth or sixth in the Big 12. Like technically, I think they're the seventh seed right now if the Big 12 tournament were to start today. Um, But they're much better than that because they've had to deal with injuries. And then the other part of it is TCU's A-plus game, in my opinion, is as good as anybody in the country. Now, they don't always play their A-plus game, right? I mean, that that's part of this, too. These are 18- to 22-year-olds. Uh, which team can be the most consistent sometimes ends up being the best, right? It's not always about how, how good your A-plus game is. It's about how good is your B-game because the majority of your games are going to be your B-game, right? And so I think Kansas's B game is better than TCU's B game, but I think TCU's A-plus game might be the best in the conference, if not the country, and we saw that in Allen Fieldhouse. Now, Kansas did not play an A game in Allen Fieldhouse. That was, I don't know, a C or a D game, but TCU did play an A game in Allen Fieldhouse, and you saw the result of that. TCU won 83-60, to and it was never really a game after the first five minutes of the contest. And now that they're back healthy, they're dangerous again. That scares you. The next top storyline here, KU looking for revenge. As I mentioned, you lose by 23 points at home to TCU. Uh, I talked about this before the Baylor game. I'll bring it up again now. Bill Self has only been swept in the regular season twice in his tenure at Kansas. Once by Oklahoma State in the 17-18 season. Once was by Texas in the 20-21 season. KU's looking for revenge. They're looking to end that. Uh, looking to get revenge in Fort Worth, I guess. Last year was was kind of an ugly loss in Fort Worth. And, and last season, you lost kind of similar to how you lost in Allen Fieldhouse, but you lost in Fort Worth that way. Then you came back home and had to grind out a close win, but you ended up doing it in Allen Fieldhouse. Maybe it'll be reversed this year and you're able to get it done in Fort Worth. Certainly, it would mean a lot if you're able to do so. The last top storyline I have here is KU trying to increase their chance of a one seed or a better one seed. The selection committee coming into the day had Kansas as the fourth and final one seed, which means that, you know, there's teams nipping at the bud on you to just have that one seed in general because you're the last one seed. So trying to secure that. Now that was before the Baylor win, which that's, you know, one of your more impressive wins of the season. It adds another quad one win and everything. So you would think you feel secure as being one of the one seeds right now. But, you're not just trying to get a one seed. You're trying to get as high of a one seed as possible. And if you do that, you have a better chance of getting the Midwest and it's going to be tough because Houston does not play a tough schedule. And when you look at Houston, they're not going to be playing much tougher teams down the stretch. Like I think Memphis is like a top 40 Ken Palm team. UCF's pretty good, but like none of these teams are, you know, top 15 type teams that they're going to have to play that you really feel like they're they're probably going to win out, I guess, basically is what I'm saying. And so if they're going to win out, for you to jump them for the Midwest in the one seed means that you, you know, maybe you don't have to win out because your schedule is way tougher, but you probably can only afford one more loss if you do want to have a chance of jumping them, and maybe the quad wins at that point would, would overcome them. So that means chance for another quad one win, chance for another resume booster, chance to maybe skip over Houston at some point, win a game like this, and that would certainly help. And as we talked about on last show, does it really matter if KU is a one seed in the Midwest versus the East? Like, Maybe not, but I think from a fan perspective, I think from a me perspective where I'd like to go cover the game, a lot easier to make travel out to Kansas City than it would be out to, I don't know, where the, the East and, I don't know, Philadelphia, New York, wherever it is, right? So I would just prefer that personally. But yeah, does it matter for KU? We've seen sometimes they have to go to further distances and they get to play the backs against the wall card and they get that kind of road trip and team bonding mentality over the tournament. I, I don't really think it matters. KU can accomplish either way. But I think from a viewership perspective, it'd be fun if they're in Kansas City. Um, okay, we're going to get on to our what happened in the first matchup, scouting report of TCU. Then we'll get on to our matchups of the game. First this episode of Locked On is brought by Built Bar. Are you looking for a delicious treat but don't want all the fat and the calories? Then you got to try Built Bar. We just got through the holidays. We just got through Super Bowl season. Probably weren't eating great, eating a bunch of great appetizers. Now, maybe you want to, you know, scale it back a little bit. Well, try built because healthy is actually tasty. They're delicious. And what makes them so good for you, they have unbelievable macros with just 130 calories They have four grams of sugar and a whopping 17 grams of protein. And on top of that, they have 100% real chocolate. So even despite having all that great health, it's 100% real chocolate. They have unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie, coconut, almond. And you can still order them at Built.com if you're interested in this. But you can also try it at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. So just head to your nearest Walmart today. Walk to the pharmacy section. And uh, grab yourself uh, a four-bar box. They have cookies and cream, double chocolate, coconut puffs. You can run to your Sam's Club. They have 13-bar boxes. You can get brownie batter, churro, or again, you can still order at belt.com. You can thank me later. With So Kansas TCU, what happened in the first meeting? Well, TCU won 83-60. to 60. It was a uh, non-contest. Um, kind of similar to the Baylor game a little bit in terms of TCU got up to this big lead at the half. Kansas did close a little bit. That was actually a ten-point game at half, which that seems way too close from what I remember. But the difference with that and the Baylor game and some of the other KU comebacks, TCU just poured it on them in the second half too. They outscored them thirty-five to twenty-two in the second half, to end up winning by twenty-three points. Um, TCU ended up shooting fifty-four percent from the floor that game. They were eight of fifteen from three. This has not been a great three-point shooting team. They don't take a ton, but this kind of adds to they, they do like everything else really well so when they are shooting threes they're very very tough to beat you don't expect that to continue but i don't know we, we've we seen it so many times our opponents shoot super well against kansas so I don't, I don't know that you would expect them to have a bad three point shooting game they also shot well at the free throw line 13 of 16 81 meanwhile kansas only shot 39 percent. They were 7 of 21 from three they only got to the line 11 times made seven of them so not a great rate uh it ended up KU had one more offensive rebound, which you would gladly take in this game because TCU is a good offensive rebounding team. Though I wonder how much of that was just as the game went on, Lampkin gets injured and, you know, TCU is up 20. Like, they're not going to send as many numbers to the, the glass with as much um, physicality, maybe. TCU, uh, KU also had way too many turnovers. They had 17 of them, and TCU really capitalized. As much as KU is a great transition team, TCU might be the best transition team in the country offensively now now both these teams are elite offensively so it's it's which team can get in transition more which team can prevent the other team from getting in transition more that could certainly have a big factor on who wins the game as far as who stood out in that first game KU did a good job on emmanuel miller he only had five points um eddie lampkin had the eight points four rebounds but he was limited with the ankle injury only played 16 minutes Uh, They got really, really good bench contributions. Cork, Coles, Wells, and Walker combined for 39 points off the bench. Wells had 17. And Xavier Cork, who filled in for Lampkin, was really good with his nine points. And that was a big difference, too, the bench scoring. And at that point in the season, KU's bench still had not really found an identity. I don't know that I'd go as far to say as this KU bench has found an identity yet, but you've at least found some pieces there. Ernest Uday has picked up his game. You saw a little bit from Bobby Pettiford at different points of the season. Joe Yesifu, too, since then. So the bench has picked it up from where it was last time you played TCU but certainly it's going to be tough against a TCU bench that is one of the better ones in the conference. Mike Miles was really good. He had 15 points, four rebounds, four assists, good efficiency. Damian Baugh was really good with 11 points, but it was just kind of an overall balanced effort for them. Meanwhile, for Kansas, KJ Adams really struggled. He was just one of six from the floor. Um, Grady Dick was just three of 13. Dewan Harris had zero points on O of four. And the bench for Kansas, again, didn't really give you anything. Uh, the one kind of saving grace for KU in that game was Jalen Wilson. He went 11 of 21, 4 of 9 from 3, he had 30.7 rebounds, but you still lost by 23 because nobody else could do anything for Kansas. So, headed into this one, you look at TCU, they're 18 and 9 on the season, top 20 team on Ken Palm, they're 7 and 7 in the Big 12, but don't be fooled by the record, they had lost 4 straight games before beating Oklahoma State, 100 to 75 on Saturday. A lot of those were without Mike Miles and when they weren't really healthy and You know, you look at six point loss at Oklahoma State or four point loss at home to Baylor like those aren't necessarily bad losses. So this is still a very good team. And now that they are healthy, they're even better than than maybe some of the numbers show. They're probably closer to being a top 15 team than they are just top 20. You look at their numbers in conference only play in the Big 12. They're fourth on offense. They are second on defense. They play at one of the fastest tempos in the Big 12. They're number two there, but they're number one in average possession length offensively. So your transition defense is going to be very important here for KU. Offensively, they are number one in effective field goal percentage in the conference. That's because they're number one in two-point percentage. All their great athletes do a great job of cutting to the rim. Lampkin gets them easy shots. Mike Miles is is great at driving to the rim, but they are also last in three-point percentage. So again, um, you don't expect them to shoot as well But also to that notion, like as much as you don't expect TCU to shoot eight of 15 from three as they did in Allen Fieldhouse, KU left them wide open for three a lot. So they're obviously going to shoot at a higher percentage. But that's the key. Can you prevent them from two without giving up wide open threes? Then you should be okay from the outside. Um, As much as they've been a good offensive rebounding team overall, that number has dropped off a little bit. They haven't sent as many numbers forward in conference play. They're down to seventh. Uh, Last year, they were like, I think number one or number two in the entire country. And through the first half of big 12 play, they were like in the top 30 in the country. Now they're down to 60th, but just seventh in big 12 only games. They don't turn the ball over a ton. They don't shoot free throws. Well, um, that, that's kind of the MO on the offensive end though. They, they get out in transition. They get easy buckets and they they find a way to, to shoot a lot of good twos, really good defensive team though, too. They're really physical. They're athletic. They're fast. Uh, They force a lot of turnovers. They are number one in Big 12 only games in steal rate defensively. They're number two in turnover rate defensively. They um, do a good job avoiding fouls on that end of the floor. And they've done a good job of uh, limiting three-point shots against them, though I don't know how much that is skill versus luck. Um, The things they haven't done as well, though, they they haven't defended the two-point shot as well. They're eighth in the conference there. uh, And Kansas has low-key been one of the best two-point offenses in Big 12 only play, which through the first four or five games of Big 12 play. Like, you would not have said that about this team, but they kind of figured it out from there. Uh, TCU also not a great defensive rebounding team. They're eighth in the conference of defensive rebounding. So Kansas ended up being plus one in the offensive rebound battle last time you played them. Do that again, but limit your turnovers. Instead of having 17, which at the time was your most on the season, you know, get it down to 11, 12, 13. You just had four against Baylor, so you should feel pretty good about where you're at there as long as Dewan Harris is engaged and ready to go as far as the, the lineup they're going to throw out. Um, uh, we had seen, uh, a lot of Shahada Wells in place of Mike Miles, and, and Wells was the guy who had 17 against Kansas. I'd imagine he'll still play a big role in this game, but it'll be more Mike Miles and Damian Baugh in the backcourt with Wells kind of coming in. Miles is certainly the guy to to watch as being like a, a high-level scorer. Baugh is the guy that does a little bit of everything. He'll crash the glass. He'll play good defense. He'll be a really good facilitator. He'll score when you need him. He'll hit a jump shot when you need him. He's a really good player for them. On the wing, they have Micah Peavy and Chuck O'Bannon, uh, kind of two you know, athletic wings. Um, Emmanuel Miller is kind of their their three-man who plays the four position. He can shoot it from the outside. Didn't have a big game in Allen Fieldhouse, but he's a really good player. They can score from different levels. And then down low, Xavier Cork and Eddie Lampkin. Those are two big boys at the center position, especially with Lampkin. 6'11", 263. He's a load inside. Uh, I think that the big deal for KJ is going to be, you know, because we saw him go one for six last time they played. When he's attacking through the middle, we see him so often be able to take that blow and you know, go into the center's chest and finish with that contested layup or that strong layup over him. It's a lot harder when you're going into the body of Eddie Lampkin to take that blow and still maintain your balance and hit the layup. So we'll see how much that affects it in this one or if KJ just had a bad game last time and he's able to figure it out um, this go around. But certainly the, those two guards with Miles and um, Ba are the ones to watch for TCU and, and the ones that uh, KU needs to do a good job of of preventing from having those like takeoff games. Lampkin has also been and and you know, still kind of battling back from injury. Um, he's been a, a player who like one night he could have 20 points and 10 rebounds. Another night he might have six and three. So um, I don't know how much of that's dependent on the defense or if he's just kind of inconsistent that way, but that'll be something to watch in this one as well. Okay, we're going to get on to our matchups of the game, but first this episode of locked on Jayhawks is brought to you by LinkedIn jobs. As a small business owner or hiring manager, you know that success in 2023 all depends on the team members you surround yourself with. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with people who have the skills, values, and experiences to help you achieve your goals. It's super easy to see what jobs are hiring on on the LinkedIn app which I'll go on and see what my friends are up to or see what's posting here or there so that means you're going to get more applicants if people can see it easier and it's you know a nice interface and everything they help you quickly attract qualified candidates to the open jobs targeting tools. They go beyond resume data by using insights from your job post company and their 875 million member profiles to put your post in front of the most qualified candidates. They make it easy to screen and rate applicants based on your job qualifications all in one platform. Uh, You have so many goals in front of you for 2023 still early in the year. So get the right help that you need to accomplish all those goals with LinkedIn jobs. Small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post a job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college. Post a job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Finishing things up, On this Locked on Jayhawks with your matchups of the game, we'll have uh, Tuesday's episode will come out and uh, we'll be recapping whatever happens in the KUTCU game. We'll probably also have something later this week examining um, the race to the finish line for the Big 12, where everybody sits, schedules remaining for everybody, what's most likely to happen. And then uh, another game preview later this week for the KU West Virginia game in Allen Fieldhouse. But first matchup of the game, um, energy slash KU versus athleticism. At times this season Kansas has had trouble matching athleticism. Like you think of the Tennessee game, that's a like it, not just athleticism in terms of speed. I'm I'm almost more talking like physical athleticism. Like a physically strong team with athleticism. Tennessee, that's a team to beat Kansas by what 14 points, certainly double digits. That's kind of how you describe Tennessee, like they're a very physically athletic team. That's how you describe TCU, physically athletic team. They're also a very fast team too. Um You look at some of the games that KU has played against that athleticism, and and maybe they've had some struggles there. Maybe that's just the other teams they've played have been good, and you've had a bad game. Or maybe there is a correlation there. Um, But that certainly was kind of a correlation with last year's team and the year before that's team, too. So uh, that certainly might be a thing. And that will be interesting how KU handles that in this game. I think the more you play a team like that, the better it helps you because the less... Shock and awe, you kind of get after the first matchup. But where is KU's energy going to be? The energy, and specifically the energy as it pertains to the defensive side of the ball, was not good to say the least in the game in Allen Fieldhouse against TCU. Can that level get up for this game in Fort Worth? Because if that level is up and you're able to play hard defense and stay up with the energy the entire game, because they're going to run really fast and they're going to get in transition a lot, you have to have a lot of hustle and energy on the defensive side of the ball. If you do that well, and can limit their transition a little bit more then you should be. Okay. But if you don't match their energy and they get a bunch of offensive rebounds and transition buckets, that's where the problem arises. Uh, the next matchup KU on the defensive glass versus the TCU offensive rebounding. You did a good job in the first matchup. You did a good job against Baylor last game. TCU again has not like been great at it in big 12 play, but it's still in there with some of the player personnel that any specific game, they could go off for a bunch of offensive rebounds, especially now that they're getting healthier again. um, just don't let this be a takeover. Like we saw that the, the game that was played in Fort Worth last year, I think TCU had like 20 offensive rebounds. Don't allow that to happen. You know, keep them around where they were last time, nine or 10, and you should be okay there. Uh, the best player matchup is probably Mike miles versus DeWan Harris. Um, KU switching five. So I say this all the time with the player matchups. Don't know how much you'll see one on the other, blah, blah, blah. But Dewan Harris should be able to help take Mike Miles out of the game, or maybe he's on Damian Baugh. Either way, that would be the matchup of the game. But how aggressive can Dewan Harris be on one end of the floor? Mike Miles is not known for being a great defender necessarily. So if he's on DeWan Harris, take advantage of that matchup if you're Dewan Harris and have another big aggressive game. It doesn't have to be 14 points on six of eight like Baylor, but you probably need double digits, you probably need at least eight points in this game from DeWan Harris. And then the KU Biggs versus you know Lampkin and Cork. Um, how do you do defensively, preventing the post? Can you do a good job of maybe not having to double so you don't leave open guys from three? Uh, we've seen KU maybe not want to double the last couple of games to to prevent that. And then on top of that, like I said with KJ Adams, can he take it into the body of Lampkin and not be bumped off enough because of the size and, and strength of Lampkin that he can still hit those those kind of runner shots or those contested layups that he's so good at, at been powering to the rim? And on top of that, um, you know, this is a game where if KJ can hit one or two of those mid-range shots or maybe be a passer out of the short roll, you can take advantage of that because you have the speed and mobility on their center. So utilize your speed and mobility. Then on the other side, when we get Ernest Duday in, this is a big boy matchup for him. But I, I think Ernest can uh, compete with the physicality. We've seen him play really well here. So those are kind of the matchups that I'm uh, most interested in. But also, we'll see. Does Jalen Wilson continue where he left off? He had 30 points last game against TCU. Does Grady Dick pick it up after going 3 of 13 against TCU. Uh, Kevin McCuller, what's his ankle situation going to be like? He seemed to be okay against Baylor, but sounded like he was playing through a lot of pain. So those are all going to be of key importance against TCU. That'll do it for this episode of Locked on Jayhawks. You can find me on Twitter, at DJohnsonRadio. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Cast or you can find us on YouTube. Give us a thumbs up if you can, and we'll see you on tomorrow's edition to recap whatever happens between Kansas and TCU. This has been Locked On Jayhawks. You can catch me later today on Rock truck Sports Talk. Later.